You're listening to the Dating Diaries podcast with your host, Gemma Joel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode for this series on the podcast. Whether this is the first time you're listening or if you've been listening to the different episodes throughout, a huge thank you. I appreciate every single one of you who listens to this podcast and I'm super grateful for all of the guests that I've had the pleasure to chat to throughout this series and I'm especially grateful to the guest who is joining me today to help wrap all of this up. Jessica De Silva is a licensed marriage and family therapist and attachment coach who helps her clients to transform the way they experience love by teaching them the ins and outs of their attachment style in a practical and relatable way. So, without further ado, I give you today's episode, The Relationship Survival Kit. I hope you enjoy and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Welcome, Jessica, to my final episode on this series of the podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome you on this episode today. I'm such a huge fan of your work and I know that I've taken so much away from everything that I've seen in your Instagram and from your own personal podcast, Let's Talk Attachments. Um, so yeah, a huge welcome and thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I always appreciate coming on here and and just speaking about attachments and love and dating. So thanks well, for having me. <laughs> it's, they're such incredibly incredible topics. I yeah. don't think I could ever get bored of speaking about love or sex or dating or attachments because it's a minefield, you think you've understood something and actually there's just a plethora of knowledge and, and information out there. Um, and I yeah. think today really to like wrap up the past like nine episodes that I've done because we've gone through being single, being in a relationship, being attached and what can go wrong and what can go right and how to navigate breakups. And I think, oh my goodness, like there is so much, but I really want to kind of tie it all together and yeah. have that like relationship survival kit in a way that's like what makes for a happy relationship what components make up a happy mm. relationship and people who are struggling whether they are single trying to get into a relationship or they're in a relationship and they're struggling how, mm. how can we really help them the most you know yeah yeah I love it Cool. Let's tie it all. Let's tie it all up. <laughs> okay. So I guess my first question for you is, what would you say are the most vital components for a happy and fulfilling relationship? Mm, that is a really good question. So again, so I focus on attachment work. So attachment theory or attachment styles and because all of us humans are wired for attachment. So all of us experience love in very unique ways. Um, so with that being said, um, I heavily focus my work on needs, like human needs. And this goes in, you know, with the five love languages and, uh, you know, attachment needs and things like that. So I would say, really, it's about understanding your needs, understanding your partner's needs. And if you are both willing to respect and meet those needs for each other mm. in loving, compassionate ways. So for me personally, um, 
it's really revolved around needs, your human needs, um, what you need to feel safe and secure in a relationship, and if you both are willing to meet those needs for each other. Okay, interesting. And we speak about needs, right? And we've all got different needs. And sometimes we don't really know what our different needs are, maybe until we're in a relationship and someone's not fulfilling that need. And you're like, oh my God, why, why is he or why is she not, not doing that? So then if someone is, someone doesn't know their needs, how do they figure out what mm. they are? Yeah, yeah. So that's usually the problem in relationships. It, and that was the biggest problem for me as well is, first of all, not knowing what my needs were, but not believing that I really had any because for so long, I was so occupied with meeting other people's needs. That was more important for my survival, right? So as I grew older, I was like, wait a second, I'm so unfulfilled in my relationships. Oh, it's because I don't even know what I want. Like, what do I want? How do I feel? I have no idea, which is part of the fearful avoidant, by the way. <laughs> so it's when you're so out of whack or out of tune with what you need to feel safe, to feel secure, to feel happy, how are you ever going to ask for that or communicate that or honor that in a relationship? So it's kind of doomed for failure in a way um, when you're not connected to that. So, um, you know, needs are really your values. Like, what do you value in life? What do you value in a relationship? And a good way to figure that out is seeing what feels good to you. So a journaling practice that I like to give to people, um, I like to do this myself too, is at the end of the day, I write down throughout my day, what felt good. When I was happy, what was happening there? What need was met there for me. Oh, it was words of affirmation. Oh, it was quality time. It was a good conversation. It was connection. That's how I identify my needs. Now, oppositely, I know I also journal uh, things that made me feel really triggered or angry or sad or disconnected. What happened there? What was not, what need was not being met? And that's a really good tool to kind of identify, oh, these are the things that make me happy. These are my needs. Likewise, this is when needs are not getting met. So that's just a cool little um, tool or strategy you guys can use to start identifying what those needs are for you. Oh, I think that is an excellent tool. And I'm the same as you. I absolutely love journaling. I feel lost when I haven't got my journal with me. I need <laughs> I, I went on holiday recently and I was like, I'm not going to bring my journal because lo and behold, if I did lose it, I'm like, someone has got the key to my inner, most inner thoughts. Um, but it's, it's interesting. And I really do like that way of kind of understanding your needs through writing them down. Because what I tend to do, I start mine with um, my three gratitudes. So three things that I've been grateful for that day. And I do it at the same time. I do it just before bed because I feel like that's then giving me enough time to think about those smaller things in life that you can be grateful for. And then a journal entry about kind of how's my day been, what's gone well, what's not gone well, because I'm in complete agreement with you that sometimes there can be so many different things going on in your mind that actually, until you take a step back to reflect on what you're thinking and what you're feeling, when you write those down, it's almost like when you can see those those words on the paper you're going oh my god is that actually how I feel 
is that what's going on? It's like that light bulb moment, isn't it? Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, I am the same way with my journal. It is my companion because it it's like what you're saying, it reflects what you're feeling. And being in tune with your emotions is so, so important because that's what kind of guides you to meeting your needs, really, essentially. So um, and then so much more. It's it's just a wonderful, wonderful tool. So I'm I'm right with you on that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. For people that might struggle, because with a lot of my clients, it is something that I would recommend as a starting point is to journal because I think it's brilliant. And I know from personal experience that it does work. Um, if, if people struggle to like write in their journal or even like want to, are there any other strategies that they can try with to kind of understand what their values are? Yeah, so... I would say, because some people, you're right, some people don't like to journal, and that is totally okay. I would just suggest taking mental notes, right? Like, um, so much of this work in terms of cultivating a secure attachment, meaning creating more confidence within yourself, feeling more connected to yourself, is emotional intelligence and becoming in tune with your emotions. So if you don't want to write it out, take mental notes, right? Like if something good happened, be mindful of the emotion of satisfaction or happiness or connection in your body. And just like, oh, okay. It's because so-and-so said hi to me, or it's because I had this really heartfelt conversation with my partner, or it's because, you know, so-and-so gave me a gift, right? So just kind of take mental notes of what are these things that make me happy? What are these things that make me feel fulfilled or satisfied? Yeah. Um, yeah. So if writing doesn't work, take those mental notes, but just a lot of mindfulness and awareness on when you're feeling good and when you're not. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think being mindful is something that takes a lot of practice. And I think we get so caught up in either focusing on the past or focusing on the future that sometimes yeah. simply forget to focus on what is going on in the present moment. And I think if we become more attuned to focusing to even things like, you know, going into your local coffee shop and having a nice chat with the barista, that all of those little things are helping you to learn more about yourself that you, you wouldn't even realize because they're so small, but actually overall, they've got such a big mm. impact on you and your happiness. Mm, yes. Yeah. I have actually been doing so much work on this recently with the mindfulness piece. Um, as you know, I was traveling a lot and um, I was traveling with a group of people and I haven't done that in a very long time. I'm very introverted. <laughs> like I spent a lot of time alone, but anyways, throughout that experience, it was such a test of, okay, can I actually practice what I preach? Right. So I was trying to be very mindful of how, you know, when I needed space, um, when I needed to communicate something that wasn't being met for me, what are my values? What are my needs and friendships? So it was, it's, yes, it takes a lot of mindfulness and awareness to just not judge what you're feeling but really use it as a way to better your experience mm -hmm. better your life better your relationships um but yeah I've had to use my emotions a lot within the last couple months to kind of identify what needs uh need to be met in order to feel safe and secure in, in my environments yeah so it's really helpful 
Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. And I can imagine that all of those experiences, especially, I can imagine if you're traveling in a group as well, there's really limited time to be able to spend by yourself focusing on what you want to do alone. Um, And I guess in a way, these experiences are like learning experiences because they teach you the good things and the bad things, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, and your feelings will always tell you what your needs are. That's something that I always like to teach is your feelings will always tell you what you need. So if you're feeling drained, maybe it is advocating for yourself or setting boundaries. You know, if you're feeling, um, you know, if you're feeling tired, maybe it is taking some space to yourself. So your emotions are always, always guiding you to your needs. They're just, yeah. If you don't want to journal it, just be mindful of what you're feeling and what you need in that moment. Absolutely. That I actually did take away from one of your podcast episodes. Uh, that your feelings will always guide you to your needs. And so I'm like anxiously attached, but I will say it depends on the relationship because some people I'll date will bring out that anxious attachment and my um, my system will be activated. Whereas there will be others who make me feel securely attached. And I think that's the yeah. really interesting thing is that I've become so attuned to listening to mm. how my feelings. And then I can, I can cut something off now and be happy about it. Whereas maybe like five years ago, mm. I'd put up with it because you think, oh, you know, if I just carry on and carry on, that person's going to give me what I need. But more often than not, we stick out with things in the hope that they will change when actually actions and behaviors speak a lot louder than, than words. And we really have to focus on how mm. us feel and the impact that that is having on us, whether that is positive or negative. Oh my gosh, such good points there. Yes. And you're so, so right. I've also been in relationships where I was just constantly anxious and your, you know, your emotions are like, Hey, hello. Like your needs are not being met. This is why you're so freaking anxious and activated, but you stay and you stay because you don't realize that your, you know, your emotions are telling you what's up. There's like red flags. And then you also don't know what to do about it. Right. You're like, love is blind. But then you also mentioned you've experienced people where you feel secure and that's when you know, okay, needs are being met because my nervous system is calm, right? Which means, you know, values are respected, needs are respected. So yeah, I love that you brought that up because again, emotions will always tell you. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the other thing I've learned as well. Always listen to your gut instinct. Yeah. I can't remember a time when my gut instinct has ever been wrong. But how many times have I actually listened to it? You know, you tend to look back and you go, yeah, do you know what? My gut did tell me that there were 85 red flags with this person. <laughs> I carried it on anyway, though, because I thought it was going to change. But I think, again, it, it almost comes with time. As you get older and you go through all these learning experiences, that it is hindsight. Like, hindsight is an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I've had to learn with the gut experience as well, because if you've you know, I've, I've experienced with with me and with clients as well. Like if you have had this very distorted childhood and relationships, sometimes your gut or your intuition 
is not always correct, right? Because, well, I wouldn't want to say that. Sometimes it's harder to listen to the gut and the intuition because fear is like right there. So interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to listen to the subtle intuition or to your gut because fear is always trying to protect you. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, distinguishing those two is really, really important. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And I suppose then, because you, that's, that's a really good point because I, I guess I've always looked at it in the sense that like I would listen to my gut instinct because it's never let me down, but I'm basing that on previous experience sometimes but it's like 100% accurate how would you distinguish between that like would there be any telling signs mm-hmm. imagine your gut's going oh my god you need to walk away this is not good for you but actually yeah. that could just be the fear kicking in from previous bad experiences like how would you distinguish between those yeah really good question um for me personally i i tried it so i realized that the fear is there and then to distinguish it I will ask myself, you know, is this fear coming from insecurity? Insecurity is stemmed in the past, right? Is this fear insecurity or is this feeling, right? Is it, is it going to like expand and evolve me? Is it like a fear of like excitement where it's like, who, this is a risk, but I trust what is happening in this moment, right? So it's, it's kind of like, okay, is it fear from an insecurity or is this fear of like expansion and growth and opportunity? So I always ask myself, this is something I, you know, I, I tell people to do too, is like, what would secure me do? What does secure me do? Is this going to help me evolve and grow? Or is this going to like take me back in a familiar cycle that I don't want to go into? Mm-hmm. That is brilliant. Yeah, I love I love that. What would secure me do? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure we all have days where we feel like that secure boss bitch. We're like, yeah, brilliant. Okay, I feel completely secure today. But more often than not, we do have those those days where we do have to check in with ourselves. And it goes back to what you were just saying earlier about your values and your needs. Yeah, in with yourself because I think sometimes if you don't check in with yourself how do you know if something is right for you or not? Yeah, 100%. So if we then tie this into attachments, I did an episode um, recently on like talking in depth about the attachment systems and all the different attachments. And it's it's so difficult because when I was reading Attached, um, I remember reading through it and I was like, okay, there's so many different things here that I can pick up on and relate back. And my listeners have said the same thing. And I've honestly, so many of them have done your quiz because I've pointed them to your page, <laughs> the attachment quiz. And so many people have said, but I've come up with like two or three or like I'm, I'm a bit of everything. And I'm like, that's, that's completely normal, right? Like I, I can't imagine that we're supposed to be one of like one attachment. Yeah, yeah. So I have mixed feelings about the book Attached by Amir Levine. That was the first book I read mm. about attachment. Um, I always suggest reading as well The Power of Attachment by Diane Poole Heller, I believe, um, because she also goes into the fearful avoidant attachment style, which Amir Levine doesn't. Mm. But yes, so we are under the impression that we just have one 
attachment style, but we are so complex and we have had so many life experiences to think that we're just one just doesn't make any sense. So um, yes, there's been a lot of research that says that we fall on a spectrum. So our attachment styles um, are kind of flexible in nature. They can change throughout your lifetime based off of significant life events, people you date, life experiences, losses, traumas. Um, so yeah, it can fluctuate, but we tend to have you know, we tend to identify with two, three, sometimes all four, depending on who you are and what you've experienced and who you're with. Um, so yeah, so my quiz, again, I always suggest taking several quizzes um, and seeing what you identify with. But with my specific quiz, yeah, it does give you, um, you know, different attachment styles in terms of how you relate to two, three or all four, yeah. Just so that you can also understand like your, just, you know, all those complexities and all those layers. There's, there's so much in each of them. And I feel like at some points we do fall into each of those categories, whether it's like 5% or it's 50%. And you've made a great point there as well, because I remember when I first did your quiz, this was months and months ago. And I'd come up as like, say like 58% anxious avoidant and then mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then one of the one of the people that I'd been dating, like a few months later, I was like 80, 89% securely attached. And I said, this is how it does fluctuate. And it does fluctuate yeah. based on who you're with. And I guess then it's just figuring out, like, it, in my opinion, I, I wouldn't say that your attachment style would be the be all or end all of having a happy relationship, but understanding it, can guide you towards the changes that you can make to lead a happier relationship, mm. to lead a happier lifestyle, like a romantic um, lifestyle. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is just because you have an anxious attachment style or a fearful avoidant or a dismissive avoidant or even secure attachment does not necessarily mean that that is the end all be all, right? Mm -hmm. um, certain people that you date can make you feel more secure. So for instance, um, I, you know, and I've mentioned this on the podcast, I grew up with predominantly fearful avoidant slash anxious attachment style. And I've dated people who have made me feel more avoidant or who have made me feel more anxious. Um, my partner now is a little bit, he's predominantly secure with some avoidant tendencies because again, no one's perfect. <laughs> and, um, but because he has so much security, um, he's allowed me to become more secure as a result. Mm -hmm. So yes, you're totally right. Different situations or the person that you're currently with or the phase that you're in in life mm -hmm. can, um, you know, change that attachment style for you. So when you take the quiz in different phases of life or with different partners, that can change. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that. And it's, it's good as well because when you first start dating someone it's not like you can walk up to them in the bar and go I just need you to do this little quiz because I'd really like to know how securely attached you are it's just something that like tends to come out over time because people are their best selves at the beginning of a relationship you know they don't want to give away too much and for me I, I just think that you know true colors always show yeah. in the end whether that is 
after a month or after a year, you know, someone can't like have that facade forever. If someone's in like a relationship at the moment and they've kind of picked up on the fact that their partner is kind of not fulfilling their needs, not doing mm-hmm. what suggestions would you have? Because if someone's in a happy, well, I say a happy relationship, if they're in a relationship that's having struggles, yeah, how can they how can they get through that? Because it's not like you can turn around and say, okay, look, I need you to to do this quiz, figure out your attachment style, and then we're going to like work through the barriers together and try and improve this. You know, it's like, how can people who are already in a relationship make themselves happier? Mm, yeah, yeah. So, so that is the risk in dating, right? Is that sometimes we don't see someone's true colors right off the bat. Because you're right, in the beginning, everyone is just trying to be their best selves um and first of all I wanted to mention that you know because I'm sure you have a lot of people here that are in in the single and dating and trying to find a partner there are little things that you can kind of pinpoint to find out someone's attachment style without having them take the quiz so for instance you know if you know someone's a little bit more dismissive avoidant if um they are very independent right? Dismissive avoidance, like they really do tend to have their shit together. They're very independent. Um, They tend to like be very individualistic as well, where they like think about themselves, like they're taking care of themselves. They've been like a lone wolf in a way for a while. So you can kind of tell when someone's energy is presented in that way. Um, Anxious attachments really like connection, right? They're very open, that's another thing. Avoidance tend to be a little bit more closed and reserved and will kind of deflect situations. They won't let you in right away. Anxious attachments are like open books. They're like, let's talk about everything. Let me tell you everything. You know, I dated an anxious attachment who wanted to like introduce me to his family, like right away, you know, so it's very, (laughs) Yeah. So there's little subtle things that you can pick up, um, you know, with, with secure attachments, they are open. Like they're definitely open, but not to the point where you know everything about their life in that first date. Right. Um, they tend to be very like considerate and thoughtful and they ask questions about you. So there's certain things that you can kind of pick up on that. However, say that you, you know, you date and then you're in a relationship and you find out that the person is maybe more avoidant, right? You're like, man, you're still not telling me about like your family or you still haven't introduced me to so-and-so. Like they keep you at this distance. Um, Or maybe you find out that this person is requiring too much of you, right? And they don't have boundaries, um, which is kind of seen with the anxious attachment. or they violate your boundaries. And then you're like, whoa, this is too much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how to kind of approach that situation is, again, it comes down to your needs. So getting clear on what it is that you need from this person or from the relationship in order to feel safe and secure. Because if you're feeling safe and secure, it's like you said earlier, everything feels fine. Like you're good. Nervous system is calm. But when you're feeling insecure, nervous system is activated. So you feel very, very anxious. So again, 
understanding what your needs are. What do I need? Is it that, hey, I need a little bit of space? Or is it that, um, you know, I need us to have more intimate conversations? Or I need that you, you know, introduce me to your friends. Like, what is it that you need to feel loved in that relationship? And then present that to the person and see if they're willing to meet you there. Um, I had a client who did this. We were working together. Same thing. He was really great in the beginning. And then maybe three, four months, he started to kind of like back off. Things started to change. And she's like, what happened? Like, what in the world happened? He was great. And then she started to uh, communicate her needs. And that's when he was just like, I can't, I can't meet you there. And he left. But now she's you know, she's looking for what she actually needs in somebody. So it's being prepared for being, the outcome. Being, do you know, being prepared and communicating. Communication yeah. is so, so, so important. And it's something I tell my own clients, but it's something that I have to reiterate to myself a lot because sometimes it can be so easy to communicate with yourself in your mind or communicate with your friends about how you're feeling about a partner but sometimes we don't communicate with that person and actually when we're dating the person that we need to be communicating with is that person otherwise we're going to get annoyed at them we're going to get upset with them we might talk to our friends about it but that's not going to change how we're we're feeling in in that relationship and I think it can be a really tricky one but also again it comes with time and then when you feel more confident um communicating with people over and over again and the more that you do it I think that's when you you start to like respect yourself more in a way because you say well actually I'm not I'm not putting up with this this isn't giving me what I want it's not giving me what I need you know I don't want to feel like anxiously attached or I don't want to feel like my attachment system is being activated you know you're doing that protest behavior all of these things that are like creating really negative space around your mind because not only is it going to have a bad impact on your relationship but it's going to have a negative impact on your mental well-being as well don't you think yeah yeah I love everything that you just said again it's just being mindful of what your needs are because when you can identify what that is you can more clearly communicate and you're right communication is everything because you can only get so much validation from communicating with friends and family and your therapist but the real solution is communicating to you know your partner whoever you're with um and sometimes that can be scary. Communication is really scary for people because they so yeah, they get communication with like consequences and repercussions and pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of work comes from really changing your relationship to communication and making it feel safe for you. Definitely. Yeah, totally agree with that. And one way that I really like to frame it is, with communication and like speaking to your partner about how you're feeling or like, you know, just finding out a little bit more about how they're feeling. I think you either win or you learn because you either have that conversation with them and they go, oh, like you never know, they might be feeling exactly the same way and just not be communicating because you're not communicating. You just, you, you think that you understand what someone's thinking or feeling, but actually we have no idea because everyone thinks so differently. 
And like I said, someone could be thinking the exact same as you until you say it and then you're like, you've come to a happy, happy like place where you can be in agreement or that person, like you just said, with your client and the person that they were with, that person goes, okay, I, I'm really sorry, like I can't meet your needs. That's fine. Like, okay, I'm going to have to go through the really rubbish part of moving on. But actually in the long run, this is probably the best thing that I could have done for myself. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of confidence and essentially a lot of security to communicate and, and uh, you know, kind of hold yourself in that space with whatever happens. Mm. Um, but knowing that only good can come from communicating and being authentic, only good can come from that. Mm. So, yeah. I completely agree. So I think that brings us nicely onto the topic of self-sacrificing versus mm -hmm. self-neglecting, because this is something that often you think they're kind of similar, but they're really, really not. Yeah. And that is a really important topic because, um, you know, speaking of in insecure attachment styles, such as the anxious or the fearful avoidant or the dismissive avoidant, this is more so pertaining to um, anxious and fearful avoidance, although dismissive avoidance also do this. Um, but again, if you were raised accustomed to meeting the needs of others, um, you tend to self-neglect in that process. And then you go into relationships where you're also very hyper vigilant of the external world while kind of ignoring your needs and what makes you happy. So this is something that um, is really important when you're learning to create a secure attachment and build that relationship with yourself is deciphering when you are sacrificing, which is normal for a relationship, um, and when you are self-neglecting. So how I like to see it is, and I've had to learn this in my relationship a lot because I've been like, okay, Jess, you're self-neglecting. <laughs> like, this is self-neglecting. So much away from this and so are the listeners, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So with self-sacrifice, this is like kind of my definition of it. It's, you know, compromising your needs with a shared intention. So for instance, um, you know, I moved to Colorado even though this isn't, it's a beautiful place, but I feel best by the ocean. I grew up by the ocean. It's just more of like my element. So I'm sacrificing my needs at the moment for a shared goal, right? Like we're working towards building a life together and things like that. But we've communicated that, hey, I get to go to the ocean when I want. So my needs are still being met um, in a way. Self-neglect would be if, uh, you know, it, it's compromising your needs and ignorance, right? So it'd be if like we moved to Colorado and there was no communication about, hey, Jess, what, what do you need? Like, when do you want to go and see your family? When do you want to go to the ocean and do your thing? Like, there's no communication about that. It's just like, oh, we'll wait. We'll wait. It's all good. So do you see where there's like a difference with one of them with compromise you're on the same page there's a goal there's communication with neglect it's just kind of like you're put on the back burner so you feel drained you feel unsupported you feel like it's a very one-sided relationship 
Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because any relationship that you're in, you're going to compromise. You're, you have to compromise because yeah. your partner is never going to like agree 100% with what you want and vice versa. And yeah, I think you, there definitely will be compromise, but there's such a fine line between compromising and neglecting that sometimes I don't think you realize that you're neglecting yourself perhaps until it's too late or you kind of start to feel like you're losing a piece of yourself or your friends pick mm. up on it. Um, you know, I think there's so many different ways that mm. you can neglect yourself in a relationship. And I feel, feel, I think feelings come into this quite a lot because when you care for someone and when you're in love with someone, I think that your logic is kind of like gone out the window almost. Like you're very much, um, especially in like the early stages, you tend to kind of want to give your all to that person. And you might kind of disregard your needs because you want them to like you, you want them to love you, you wanna do what you can to please them. Um, mm. I guess, I suppose a question here would be then, when our logic does tend to like go out the window when we're falling in love with someone or we really do love them, is there a way to mm. recognize that we are neglecting ourselves. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. I always like to do emotional check-ins throughout the day. So, and again, that kind of teaches us what the needs is. So similar to last thing is just paying attention. Like throughout my day, I'll stop. <laughs> I will stop what I'm doing and I will just ask myself, okay, how am I feeling? How am I feeling right now? Okay, I'm feeling a little drained. Why am I feeling drained? What's contributing to this emotion? Oh, it's because so-and-so keeps um, ignoring this desire that I have. And I've asked and I've asked and I've asked and still hasn't happened or it hasn't been acknowledged. And then I will ask myself, okay, what is the need? What do I need in order to feel fulfilled again, to feel happy again. Um, and sometimes that is having a hard, uh, a hard conversation about coming to a conclusion about something or coming to a solution about something. Um, so deciphering the need is always where the action takes place. Um, but yes, checking in with yourself daily. Why are you feeling this way? What's contributing to it? And then what is the need, right? What is a solution to really <laughs> liven yourself up again yeah. to feel better again definitely I think that's an excellent strategy and just those yeah emotional check-ins I think I need to start doing those throughout the day because <laughs> sometimes sometimes the days are so busy especially like regardless of dating just general like being an adult is just so busy that even just taking a step back and having those emotional check-ins throughout the day can be so helpful so yeah I'm start doing that so thank you for that idea that's a great one yeah, I have to I'm glad that I mentioned this because now I have to hold myself accountable to yeah. do that more often <laughs> fine we can hold each other accountable yeah. we can do it we can do it but yeah I think I think with neglecting it's so difficult because people who are in and I notice this with a lot of my older clients is that when they talk about um the way they feel about themselves it makes me feel so sad because they might have like these insecurities or they said like, you know, they've been married for years and although it's not my area, so I'm a health coach, so I work primarily mm -hmm. in the different pillars of health, 
which are like diet, exercise, sleep, stress, mindset. But all of those bring up so much um, that's happened to them over the years. And while I can like refer them on because it might be out of my scope of practice, relationships is something that pops up a lot because people stay in unhappy relationships for so long. And mm. sometimes it's difficult to understand what drives a person to stay somewhere where they're not happy and they're neglecting their mm -hmm. needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that is, it's so, so, so common um, that people do stay in relationships where they are self-neglecting. And a lot of that comes from, again, not knowing, being so disconnected from yourself, right? Because again, when you are self-neglecting, it's because you have a habit of, of doing that for most of your life. Um, so again, you're very concerned on how other people are doing, but in that process, you are ignoring yourself. So we stay in relationships for a very long time, um, not ever really wanting to acknowledge the fact that we're having these really painful emotions. And with that process, uh, it's again, it's understanding that, all right, like your emotions, whether it's numbness, whether it's, um, you know, loneliness, sadness, whatever it is, that is telling you something. Now it's your choice if you want to listen to it or not. And a lot of us are so comfortable because we're getting needs met, some needs met, maybe need for security in terms of roof over our head. We have a partner we can count on, right? We know they're going to be there every day. Um, so there are certain needs that we get met, but in order to have a fulfilling relationship, you should at least have 50% of your needs met. So, you know, sometimes people are willing to compromise that for just 3% or 5%. Is that truly making you happy? In the grand scheme of things, then you're giving your whole self to that other person and expecting them to bring out the best in you which is just not going to happen yeah and and a lot of that too comes with self-worth as well right like man am I worth just three percent or am I worth 50 to 70 percent of getting my needs met so a lot of this work is is self-love work is building your confidence and your self-esteem um is cultivating that courage and that security or else you will just settle for that three percent and just feel really unsatisfied through life yeah. yeah that's so true and I do a lot of work around mindset with my clients and self-worth comes up oh my god like 90 percent of the time because especially as people get older if people haven't checked in with their self-worth over the years then they get to the age of like 45 they've pretty much lived half their life not looking after their own needs. And because they've spent every day in this pattern of negativity, it almost makes it harder to then draw it out of them. Well, everyone's got different wants and different needs, but it's checking in with yourself and, you know, understanding that you are worthy. You are worthy as a person, you are worthy of love. And something that I find really helpful to ask is, 
is this helping me or is this harming me? And you can revert that back and you can put that into the same context with a partner. You know, is this partner helping me or are they harming me? Yeah, I love that question. And also taking any small step of improvement. When we start taking these tiny steps, like self-esteem, no one is born with like good self-esteem or high self-esteem. Self-esteem is something we cultivate like moment by moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can take one small step for your own improvement, like your mental health, whatever it is, something that just makes you feel good, that builds momentum, that builds self-esteem. And then eventually you'll feel like, whoa, like this relationship is no longer in alignment with how good I feel right now. And then you almost don't want to go back. You're like, why would I go back now? I'm feeling a little bit better. Like you just want to keep going. So take any small step daily of just improving yourself. What I like to do is, you know, I mean, in my process of kind of building my own self-worth, I did a lot of affirmations, a lot of visualization of just imagining me happy in like a mutually uh, content, respectful relationship, right? And I just started to see that and I was like, whoa, okay. And I started to feel better and better. And then I took more opportunities. I, you know, (laughs) did a lot of like healthy things for myself. And then I was like, there's no way I can go back to that because look at how good I feel now. So any little steps that you can take for improvement, I would just start there. For sure. I could not agree more with that. And it's also reminded me of, I don't know if you've read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. He touches on that very um, point that you just made about making a 1% improvement, because if you make a 1% improvement each day, it leads to a 37% improvement for the year. 1%, you think that's nothing, like what's, what, what is even the point? But those tiny habits that you create to better yourself, in the long run, it's going to have a massive impact on you, a massive impact. And you can think, are you going to take that step where you make a 1% improvement or are you going to just carry on like gliding through life, not checking mm. in how you're feeling, letting people treat you the way that you don't deserve to be treated and being in unfulfilling relationships that are just bringing you down all the time, you know, take a step back and like, remember who you are. Remember that you are worthy of this love and you are worthy of loving yourself first and foremost, because the, I think the stronger your mindset is and your well-being is, the more love that you can give to someone else yeah. and receive that as well. Yeah. And all of that, again, like when you are building this new relationship with yourself, things that don't align with that, don't align with your involvement and your improvement are going to become very apparent. Like you, you, are, you can't be blind to it anymore. Mm-hmm. So those things will just kind of fall away. And you open yourself to healthier experiences, people that are also on that level, same level as you. So again, only good can come from that. Only good can come from that. And it's interesting because I was actually speaking to my friend yesterday about this guy that I'd been talking to for a couple of months, really nice guy, but 
if I'd gone back maybe like a year ago and I was talking to him, I may have put up with the things that he was saying and the things that he was doing. And I then got into the mindset of being like, hold on, no, 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 no. This, this is not gonna have any sort of beneficial effect in the long term. So I need to cut this off now. You know, instead of like my former self would go, I'm just gonna carry it on and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, because you don't know anything different, right? You don't know anything different. So of course you're gonna stay in that same comfort zone. Mm. Yeah. You can almost like categorize people in that way when you go, okay, like you said, going back to the attachment styles, if you know that like someone's holding back from like telling you any information or if they're not like introducing you to their friends or to their family and it's been like nearly a year, those little warning signs, if you can't communicate with them and they don't want to communicate with you, that's when you need to take the step of being like, do I carry this on in the hope that, you know, that something great is going to happen out of this? Or do I respect myself to walk away from this? Mm. And then that's that. Mm, yeah. And I'm glad you said that because that's such a good example of, you know, the self-sacrifice and self-neglect. So self-sacrifice would be if, if, you know, your partner's like, okay, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to work on this. Like you guys are on the same page, right? There is, there's action there, mutual action. Self-neglect is like, nothing's changing. Yeah. Maybe they say that they're going to improve, but where's the action? There's, there's no effort. So again, kind of, I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. That's it. And I I think the listeners will find that really useful because it's so powerful. It's such a powerful reminder that your people can be amazing with words. People can tell you how much they like you. People can tell you how much they care for you and what they want to do for you, et cetera, et cetera. But where's the evidence? Where's the behavior that, that shows you how much that person cares about you? Because if someone's full of words and they're not backing it up with any any sort of behavior that shows that what they're saying then actually it's just words yeah so just paying a t- like again being mindful of that being mindful of um you know where is the evidence where is the evidence are we on the same page or is this a one-sided relationship if it feels very one-sided which you you will feel that um you know that it is self-neglect and I think for anyone who's listening who is is single and they are kind of following all of this advice and getting frustrated with still being single I think actually when you're tuning into what you want and what you need you probably are going to stay single for longer because you're not you're, you're kind of filtering out all the people that aren't adhering to that So it's not a bad thing. It just means that actually you value yourself enough not to stay with someone Mm -hmm. for the sake of saying, I have a boyfriend. You're saying, okay, no, I am this person who values myself. I have got good self-esteem, good self-worth, and I will be with someone when they're going to provide me with 50 to 70% of my needs. Yeah. And that's self-empowerment right there. <laughs> like, that is self-empowerment right there. Um, it, it takes time. It takes time. I've, I've been in terrible relationships when I was younger and I look back now and I think 
I would not put up with that right now. I wouldn't. But it's like I said at the beginning, hindsight is a beautiful thing. And every experience that we face in our lives is really just a learning experience for that next time we face it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All of your past relationships are learning experiences, right? They are mirrors mm-hmm. of maybe where you need to set boundaries, where you need to learn to communicate, where you need to advocate for yourself. So it's all there to teach you essentially, again, like what you need, what do you need? Um, And then improving yourself and finding someone who eventually is compatible with, with you. So yeah, like if I can leave, you know, any recommendations here is really to get real cozy, get real comfortable with your needs, meaning your values and really honoring that because that is how you kind of filter who is compatible with you and who isn't. Love that. I think that's excellent piece of advice. It's almost like becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. I think that is a brilliant way to wrap up this episode. And I think if I could just ask you, have you got one one piece of practical advice that the listeners could take away from this if they've really resonated with everything we've said today and all the advice that you've given? If someone is listening to this right now and they're really struggling to you know, find someone that is giving them what they need, what would you say to that person? I would say, you know, I would say, I mean, for me, what it was so, so powerful was visualizing what I wanted because I didn't have a presentation of that. Like, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't have healthy role models uh, to learn from. So for me, it was really visualizing myself with in this relationship right like how did that really feel for me what did I want to feel in this type of relationship Um, and that is what I would suggest if you don't have a model to which to you know to which to like learn from or base from really visualizing what that relationship looks like for you and most importantly how do you feel in that relationship do you Um, you know, is, do you want to feel mutually connected? Do you want respect? Do you want kindness? Um, Do you want like to feel protected? Do you want interesting conversations? Do you want like vacations together and quality time together? Like, what is it that you want? And really, really anchor, anchor in that vision and use that as your kind of navigation system incredible that is amazing honestly they those are brilliant tips I think the listeners will find those very helpful you have been so insightful today and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you as my guest on the final episode in this series and I can't wait to publish it now but thank you so much for joining me today Jessica thank you so much Gemma such a pleasure to be on here I appreciate it If you've enjoyed today's episode, I'd be so grateful if you could like, share and subscribe 
to this podcast. It's now available to stream on a number of platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible and Google.